Yeah. So, some of you spotted the gorilla and some of you didn't. But what I want to start with today, we're going to, what I've entitled this is Slowness, the Unofficial Gift of the Spirit. Uh, and the, the subtitle is Slowing Down for Loving Union. Slowing Down for Loving Union. And the reason I showed that video is because sometimes we're paying so much attention to one thing and we're so focused on the one thing and we're so adamant to get it right and we're so adamant to be right that we miss so much else that's going on around. Or maybe we're not paying attention at all and we don't get any of it. Maybe you didn't even get the 16 passes or you lost, lost track of the people in white. It's so easy to miss little things that are happening right in front of our eyes. And so as I talk about slowing down this morning, for me, it takes time. It's intentional and it's learning how to pay attention. And so right now in society, everything is go, 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 rush, 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 get the presents, get everything in, get to see everybody. Uh, Ronnie's rush, 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 because he's bringing all the managers out for food and he's trying to get all that scheduled in and it's all over the place and driving all over the place and making sure everybody's happy and it's endless at this time of year. But actually we are called to be countercultural. With Jesus in us, we're called to be countercultural and bring a calmness of the Spirit of God wherever we go. And so what are we missing? What are we missing because everything's so busy? What are we missing with Jesus? Maybe those moments where he's trying to speak to us at a prayer meeting. What are we missing with family? As we miss the dinner table or we're not home in time or what are we missing in life? What are we missing in our community? I got a phone call yesterday. Um, one of our managers, their mum was rushed to hospital and they thought that was it. And last night then on the phone call, um, they realised that she was coming back up. But one of the things she said was, it's so grateful that we get some more time to be with her. They're grateful because they're going to make the most of knowing the time might be short, but they're going to make the most of it. They're going to pay attention. They're going to slow down. In 1982, Larry Dossey, an American physician, coined the term time sickness to describe the obsessive belief that time is getting away, that there isn't enough of it, and that we must go faster to keep up. We are moving from a world of the big eats the small to the fast eat the slow. And so a British psychologist says that acceleration is now second nature to us. We have developed an inner psychology of speed, of saving time, and of maximizing efficiency. But speed is not always the best policy. Who knows that? Speed is not always the best policy because what we seem to do is cram more and more into every hour that we have, overstretching ourselves to the point where we are going to break, to the point where others around us are going to break. And so let's, let's, let's make it clear this morning, I'm not against speed. I love having a car that has plenty of speed. I love fast internet, which sometimes in my house doesn't work. Sometimes in the castle doesn't work. I love fast internet. I love jet planes. Who else loves jet planes? Getting away, getting there fast instead of having to go on a boat. I always remember that story Granny D told me about Joe going on the boat to America. What was it, like three weeks or something to get there? I go there and back in a weekend. My goodness, three weeks. I love fast things, but... Sometimes we, uh, we turn it into a love for speed, which is the problem. We love it. We're obsessed with it. We're obsessed with doing far more in less time. And it's become kind of an idolatry to us. Faster is better. 
Um, I was given off yesterday, or Nicola was given off yesterday, because I will name it out okay. What, Herms. Anybody had a problem with Herms, Hermes? It's Christmas. Slowest delivery in the north. Um, now, if you want something done right, DHL seems to be fast. Um, if it was BBC, we'd have to say other things are available. We want it faster and faster and quicker and quicker. And even when speed starts to backfire, we have this gospel of let's go even faster. I'm behind in work. I'm going to go somewhere that has a faster internet speed. I've no time to read this book. I'm going to speed read or I'm going to get it in Audible. That's my choice. I get it in Audible. Uh, my diet isn't working. I think I'll get a wee bit of liposuction in that private clinic up in Belfast. I'll not ask if anybody's been there. You can't be bothered to cook. I'm going to get a microwave and get some meals to go in it. It's so easy to go faster. But what I found and what you see with those things is faster isn't always better. And sometimes there's a price to pay. And so slowing down in life, it's not about living at snail's pace. Because anybody that knows me knows I do not live at snail's pace. And I don't want to live at snail's pace. But it can be summed up in one word. Balance. We're called to live a life of balance. It's what musicians call tempo guisto, the right speed. And I believe it's the tempo of heaven. As we slow down, as we take stock, and we spend time with the Father, we start to live our lives, even unintentionally sometimes, at the pace of heaven because something happens when you encounter the presence of God. Next one there, Daniel. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I am standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you, are, and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you, and you will feast with me. The Father's invitation is there for us to come in, to sit down around the table, and it's a place to listen to him, but also for us to be heard. It's, allowing, it's lovingly allowing God to have full access to your life. And so what is your current pace of life? I'll not ask you to shout it out loud. What's your current pace of life? And how is it affecting your ability to pay attention to God? I have lots of conversations with Nicola and even with the boys. And sometimes, I, I have to be honest, I don't hear half of it. Because I might look like I'm listening, but I'm not paying attention. I'm always in a hurry. And so the danger of living in the fast lane is that sometimes I feel Jesus isn't in the fast lane with me. Jesus is always right there, but you know what I mean? I think he's going at a pace that's probably a bit slower than what I want to go at sometimes. And what, what happens is we don't have what we need because we're not living in the rhythm of heaven. Um, a few months ago, I was in such a hurry. Hopefully Nicola knows this, I think she does. But I was in such a hurry, and I had Joshua and Reuben both at training. Do you remember this, Joshua? Both Joshua and Reuben at training down in Rich Hill. And I was in a rush to get home for a Zoom meeting, because I had to get, it, I had to get there. I'm going from one thing to the other. I've got a really busy diary, and it was so busy. And, and busy is great, and fast is great. And I jumped in the car, drove home. And when I got home, I was like, was it you I left behind, or Reuben? Yeah, it's you. I was like, Reuben, where's Joshua? Do we bring him? We not bring him with us? Yeah, yes, Daddy. He's not here. That's Ruben's voice. If you don't know, I'm like hey, he's not here, Daddy. Ooh, don't tell your mother. Quickly, get back in the car. And we flew back, and Joshua was standing there. 
I was in such a rush, I forgot my own son. Whew. Thankfully, he's old enough. Um, you know, he's not a baby. He didn't leave a baby behind. Will not tell that story this morning on, on live on, on the internet, social services and all that. But sometimes we're in such a hurry, we miss even important things that we love. We miss it. Luke 10, verse 38 and 40 is that famous story of someone who missed it. It's a lady who missed it, but ladies usually don't miss it. Martha became exasperated as Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And what happened? Her duties disconnected her from Jesus. Now, the duties are good. There's a time and a place. But I think even if she sat at Jesus' feet in that moment, she still would have been distracted. She still would have been irritable. She still would have been anxious because she was a go-getter, a doer, 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 which is good, but we all need to learn in the moment. Like Martha, Jesus was saying, or Jesus was saying about Mary, she's enjoying my presence. I'll not be here for a long time. There'll be time to work. There'll be a time for this. She's taking pleasure in me. She's taking time to be present and slow. Slow down to enjoy the fullness of my presence. First Timothy 4 verse 16 says, Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. Cherish it. Take time. Stop and ask God. I, love, uh, I don't want to just take verses out of, um, out of context, but I read this one in First Samuel verse 36 uh, about stopping and asking God. Saul said, Saul, I want to fight. I want to kill. I want to be the king. Let's go after the Philistines tonight. We can spend the night looting and plundering. We won't leave a single Philistine alive. Sounds good to us, said the troops, following their great leader. Let's do it. But, there's always a but, but the priest slowed them down. Let's find out what God has to say about this. Slow down. Inquire of the Lord. And going faster can also, uh, going fast in the natural can slow down the supernatural. It can slow down your spiritual side. Hebrews 3 verse 12 to 14 says, So watch your step, friends. Make sure there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course, diverting you from the living God. For as long as it's still God's God's today, keep each other on your toes so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes. If we can only keep our grip on the sure thing we started out with, where we're in this with Christ for the long haul. Going fast in the natural can slow down your supernatural reflexes, your ability to hear God, your ability to have compassion, your ability to respond with generosity, with love, because we're so busy. And caught up in other things. I have a, an illustration. I always have to have a bike one now because that's my new thing. Next one there. Yeah, oh, you can't even see it. Well, that's what it looked like. But I was out in the bike a few weeks ago. And now, if you know me, I'm always prepared. I was like a boy. I'm like a boy scout. So I had a torch in my head and a torch in my bike. What happened when I was halfway around Gosford in the pitch dark? Both my lights went out. Now I'm big, but I'm a scaredy cat. And I tell you, I have never ridden so fast in the dark in my life. And here fell off ten times. And what I realized was, you always have to get an illustration from something. I was like, oh, this will be an illustration. This is great. I had plugged my lights in. But I hadn't taken time 
to make sure they were plugged in right and they were charging. And so when actually I got out and was doing what I was doing, everything went dark. I didn't have the ability to finish what I had started because I hadn't taken just that extra little time to make sure that it was fully plugged in. And I find that in life. Does anybody else find that? You're out in the middle of something and you don't have that wisdom we heard about this morning. Ten minutes after you make a decision on something, you're like, why did I not stop and ask the Lord? I have a new rule now in life where a decision that has to be made, I firstly stop and ask the Lord. Then I ask others around me that I know can give good input. That's my rule. That's one of my rules in life now. We'll talk a bit about that before the end. And so, um, what principles can help us pay attention? We can't, we can't live without principles. We need principles. I've been around Ronnie too long not to have principles on lists. So what can, what can open our hearts to slow, down, or slow us down and pay attention? John 15, 16, um, in the famous verse, it doesn't say without him we can't build. Without him we don't have, or uh, we can't do things. It says without him what we build, what we do is worthless. And worthless in the sense of it will not last. That I need to do that. Theologian, let me get this right, you can read it yourself. Urs von Balthasar. Here is a man sinless because he has lovingly allowed the Father's scope in his life. Talking about Jesus. He is who he is because he has allowed the Father full scope and full access to his life. So to do this, we must take stock of our lives and live in a sustainable way to cultivate wide open doors of our hearts and our minds with the Father. So how do we do this? Number one, sacrificial rhythm. It's an act of surrender of our lives in a sustainable way. Sorry, that's, that's the one above. I've had too much coffee this morning. It's an act of a surrender. It's saying, God, every day, here is my day. Here is my week. Loving union starts with surrender. Who's been watching I'm a Celebrity? Come on. Is it your guilty pleasure? What about this boy here? Hello, David. Bonjour. Je m'appelle David. Come on, David. That's all I know. But... Uh, I've been hearing a few stories of some ladies that love watching, hopefully nobody in here, love watching David Ginola. And do you know how he gets a physique like this? Does anybody know? He does 300 sit-ups a day, 100 push-ups, and he eats really healthily. Not a choice I'm willing to make, thank you very much. But he has a sacrificial rhythm. Because all, he was all the talk for the first two weeks. And he kept saying, it's because I'm disciplined. I do this every day. This is not an accident. And I can't say that because mine is not like that. It's not an accident. And it's the same with us as we start to live in union, loving union with Christ. It cannot be accidental. It has to be a sacrificial rhythm where you make a choice to say, I'm going to put this thing aside or move this because spending time with the Father in a good rhythm is more important. And so um, I, I class it as a rule of life, and it comes from a book that I read a long time ago by Ruth Healy Barton. If you go on ahead, Daniel. 
And she, or no, it's not, it's not in it, sorry, buddy. A rule of life is this. The term uh, a rule of life has its linguistic roots in an ancient Greek word meaning trellis. A trellis is a support structure that enables plants such as grapevines to get off the ground, grow upwards, and become fruitful. So for me, a, a rule of life is what I said. When I'm making a decision, I stop, I ask God, and I ask others that I know will give me valid input. That's one rule of my life. That's a good rule to have, isn't it? Another rule that we've introduced recently in our home is that Nicola and I get up at a certain time every morning and we have our list of prayer and we read a portion of scripture together every morning. It's a daily thing in our lives. It's a great thing to have. Another thing that um, I love to put in is a specific time of, of year, every year that Nicola and I go away together and we dump the kids off with Ronnie and Karen. It's great. Doing it next week. I have things set in my life because I know if I don't do them, it is not good for my physical health, my mental health, and my spiritual health. I have rules of life. And so it could be to do with your prayer rhythm. It could be to do with the food that you eat. I'm trying to have a rhythm now where Monday to Friday I eat well, like healthy, and then thir- or Saturday, Sunday, I just go nuts and have my mince pie and cream up to here. It's great. I'm not condoning that either. I I want to have things with holidays that I have in place, with relationships that I'm intentional, with phoning my mum or my dad or my my siblings or my friends and making time specifically for coffee because if you're like me, I'm so bad at being intentional with those relationships. It's It's a rule of life. It's a personal development program or fasts, all these different things in your life that can really influence your slowing down to pay attention. C.S. Lewis famously said, I am busy because I am lazy. Only lazy people work hard. And so what he was meaning by that is that others set your goals because you are too lazy to stop and take stock and go, right, this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is what I'm going to do with my time because others will dictate your life to you if you do not do it yourself. The next one is silence and solitude. And so in this media-drenched, data-rich, channel-surfing, computer-gaming age, we have lost the art of doing nothing. Is Neville here? He's always doing something. And the problem is he does everything so well that everybody wants him to come. Will you come do this for me, Neville? He knows everything. I promised him I wouldn't talk about him this week. Goodness sake. We're not very good at shutting down and putting off the distractions and turning off the background noise and being alone with our thoughts. It is so horrible. But we need to do that, to be alone with our thoughts and be alone with God. And you know that boredom was a word that was only created 150 words words ago, years ago? I need to reset my brain this morning. It's a new phenomenon. People didn't get bored before. And so we need to learn how to remove all stimulation and the things that we can fidget with. I know sometimes it will bring panic and we'll look for anything to do. But I encourage you this week to try and make a time for solitude. Just get away by yourself and silence. Ruth Healy Barton. That's it now, Daniel. 
She says that solitude and silence is to take seriously our need to quiet the noise of our lives, to cease the constant striving of human effort, to pull away from absorption in human relationships for a time in order to give God undivided attention. And she goes on to say, silence deepens the experience of solitude. In silence, we not only withdraw from the demands of life in the company of others, but also the noise of our own thoughts. Strivings and compulsions to settle down, and this is my favorite bit, so that we can hear a truer and more reliable voice. That's the key to silence and solitude. It's not just so you can say, I am a holy Christian. I had 50 minutes of silence and solitude today. No. You shouldn't need to say it to people. They should know that something's different within you because you're hearing a reliable voice and you're bringing it into the, the, the world as you meet others around you. And so Jesus' life, his was full of pressures, but he regularly stepped away to slow down to ensure that he was in line with the Father. Going rightly here. Henry Nguyen says this, that without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to him. Can I encourage you, even if it's just five minutes, just five minutes. Who was it? Was it, uh, one of, was it Wesley's mother or something? She used to lift the, the apron up over her head. And that was her time of silence and solitude, even though it, was, it can be mad around you. But it can be silence in here. It can be solitude in here. The third one is Sabbath. Shabbat. And this is a set time. It's, I was reading something this morning. It said on the seventh day, God rested and enjoyed. That's the key to Sabbath. It's not necessarily a Sunday. Because many of us, I know a Sunday for me is busier than any other day. But it is making a Sabbath time within your week. Whether it's a Friday or a Saturday or a Monday, whatever it is, it's making a Sabbath time. And the t- what Sabbath is, is an invitation to rest, to stop, not for rules, but to enjoy. Abraham Joshua Heschel, um, he was a, a, a rabbi. He said this, the Sabbath is not for the, the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It's not an interlude, but the climax of living. It is something that we look forward to. Who is something in right now you have in your diary? You're like, oh my goodness, I'm building up to this. I, am, I, I cannot wait to get to this point. That's me next week, hopefully. But maybe it's you're going with some. You're going to Donegal today. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. It's a climax. I've got it all planned out. I know exactly where I'm going for this. I'm going to go for dinner here. I'm going to go for a walk here. I'm going to spend time with this person here. You have something in your life that you're like, I cannot wait to get to that point. This is what Sabbath is about. We get to that point where we're like, oh my goodness, what a celebration to rest and enjoy your creation and your beauty and the family you've given me and the things that you've given me and the life that you've given me. This is the Sabbath. He goes on to say this, Abraham Joshua Heschel, to observe the Sabbath is to celebrate the coronation of a day in the spiritual wonderland of time, the air of which we inhale when we call it a delight. Call the Sabbath a delight, a delight to the soul. Do you have even if it's moments in the week where you take to do that, where you stop and you delight in the Lord. 
Psalm 131 verse 2 says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a winged child with its mother. This is the Sabbath. It's a time to rest and refill. And for me, it's a time to sit around the table with people that you love or that you want to get to know. It's a time where you take time to eat good, wholesome food. Not that old microwave nonsense that I fire on a Monday night to the kids because I have to cook on a Monday night. It's good, wholesome food. Do you know what it is? I get this picture, this picture of you, Jackie. You're pulling out the recipe book that has been handed down from a few generations. And you're going, girls, come here. Come on, I'll show you what, what grandma cooked. Maybe in your house it's great-great-grandma. This is how they done it. Let's take time. This is what the Sabbath is about. It's about setting the table and having a, a routine in your week where everybody knows this is the time of celebration. I'm not really good at this. I'm preaching about it right now, but I haven't got this established yet. Um, nearly 200 years ago, um, I can't read his name, Anthelim Bailiant Severian, a legendary French chef, remarked that the destiny of a nation depends upon the manner they feed themselves. And so that is also to do with what we eat. You know, the fast food's killing us. We've seen that. It's not good for us. So fast food in general is killing a nation. But actually what I want to draw this back to is the manner we feed ourselves um, is going to be sitting around the table, getting to know each other. The relationships that are built around the table will last far longer than the ones that are rushed just on a Sunday morning. Getting to know each other during the week around a table and feasting together and enjoying each other's company, that's um, what he says is going to affect the destiny of the nation. It's going to affect the destiny of this nation. So I am telling you this morning, Go eat and be merry and enjoy one another's company because the destiny of this nation depends on it because what is birthed at those tables? Ronnie, I'll pick on you. How many things from dropping have been birthed sitting around the table? Where you sit and you have a coffee and a relationship. Yeah. This is what we're called to. We're called to be around tables with one another. Right, I'm nearly there. Stock take, number four. This is a quick one. Stock take and simplify. The stock take is this. Think about things. Think about people that you're thankful for. Because of them or because of it, you're blessed. Simple. Just do that. But also, um, things that need to go in your life. Is your life too busy? A couple of years ago, um, I was sitting on a couple of like boards and, and other teams, and I realized it's too busy. And I had to make the, the choice to phone some of them and say, listen, I cannot give my all or my everything or what I would like to give to you, so I have to step down. I didn't want to because my ego wanted to stay there, but I had to step down. More recently, um, Neil and I have given up coaching under 14s football at Ambassadors, something that if you know me, you know I love. But in this season, we have been called to lead the Hub Youth. And we had to lay that down to pick something else up. We had to stock take and simplify our lives. What do you need to do? I encourage you today to stock take, whether it's even to do with what's in your home, the things that you have. Go do a stock take, and if it's really good, you can give it to the Covals. Stock take. 
That's the simple. I don't need to go much more into that. And the last one is this, sacraments. Now, sacraments are defined, they're all S's. I'm trying to get all the S's today. Sacraments are defined as outward signs of inward blessings. There are lots of sacraments, but the one sacrament I want to focus on is the one I've preached on many at a time and we've talked about today. It is the Eucharist, communion, the table. And so, um, let me just read this wee bit out to you from this. Ronald Rollheiser talks about it better than I could. For some, it is a celebration of the Last Supper, something to be done less frequently. For others, it is God's daily feeding of his people with a new manna, Christ's body, and in it something to be done every day. For some, it is a celebration of reconciliation, a ritual that forgives and, uh, and unites. For others, unity and reconciliation are preconditions for its proper celebration. For some, it is a vigil, act, a gathering, a gathering that is essentially about waiting for something else or something else to appear. For others, it's a celebration of something that is already present and is asking to be received and recognized. For, other, or for some, it is understood to make present the real physical body of Christ. For others, it is understood to make Christ present in a real but spiritual way. Some call it the Lord's Supper, some call it the Eucharist, some call it Mass. Some celebrate it once a year, some celebrate it in four times a year, some celebrate it every Sunday, and some celebrate it every day. Who's right? In truth, the Eucharist is all of these things and more. There is no adequate explanation for the Eucharist for the same reason that in the end there is no adequate explanation for love, for embrace and for the reception of life and spirit through touch. Certain realities take us beyond language because that is their very purpose. The purpose of the table is to stop to sit level with everyone else. There's no kings, there's no queens, there's no rulers at the table. We are all equal. And as we take of the bread and the wine, it's a physical remembrance, a thing that we can hold and see because he knows that we're only human. Sometimes we doubt, sometimes we fear, sometimes we struggle, but we can hold the bread and we can taste the wine and we can be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done. And it starts with thankfulness and it ends with a declaration of the power of his blood but it stops us, it slows us down enough for, us, for him to get our attention. And so let me finish with some of these questions. You do not have to answer them in public. You know you need to slow down and live in loving union if. Next one, Danny boy. You can't shake the pressures you feel from having too much to do in too little time. If that's you, you need to slow down in loving union. Or always rushing. Or routinely, routinely fire off quick judgments and opinions instead of, what's the other side? Tell me about it. Or often fearful about the future. Or overly concerned with what others think. Or you're defensive and easily offended. Or routinely preoccupied and distracted. Constantly ignore stress, anxiety, and tightness of your body. Feel unenthusiastic or threatened by the success, not stress, that's my typing, of others. Routinely spend more time talking than listening. I need to work on that one. I think I could answer yes to every one of them. I need to slow down 
we need to slow down. And I believe as we slow down, we're going to do more than ever. Because God's going to direct. He's going to open doors. He's doing it with what we've been doing in the youth. The doors opening now are just unbelievable in the community. In what ways does my current pace of life enhance or diminish my ability to allow God's will and full scope in my life? Let's stand to pray. Um, we've started, we started this morning Lectio for Families. Has anybody been doing Lectio from um, 365 from 24-7 prayer? It's just a, a, you can play it on your phone and it just slows you down, it stops, it has a verse, it has prayer. But they brought it out now for families where it has a weekly memory verse and it has something every day. But this morning I thought the, the ending was spectacular. It says, may today be a little less go, go, go and a little more slow, slow, slow. And so I just declare that over us this morning. Uh, may today be a little less go, go, go and a little more slow, slow, slow. And God, I pray uh, in our busyness, in, in my ignorance, in our ignorance, in moments where we should talk to you, that you, your spirit will do something in us to remind us to inquire of you, to be excused to go and spend time with you. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to stock take, to remember you as we take the bread and the wine, to create a place of rest this week, to create a place of silence and solitude. And I pray, Father, you would speak to us and convict us about our rhythms that we have in our life, that they would bring honor to you. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, have a great day, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening. So